This is Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church. Thank you for joining me. One of the most violent and dangerous countries in the world to be a follower of Jesus, and this is not a surprise to many of you that follow what we're doing with the Voice of the Martyrs Canada in terms of reporting on the persecuted church, is Africa's most populous nation of Nigeria. Christians there are killed, kidnapped, and terrorized by militant Islamic groups like Boko Haram and the Fulani herdsmen. Last year, the number of followers of Jesus who were killed increased by 60%. That's right, 60% according to Open Doors, a ministry that also works with the persecuted church. And the study from Open Doors says that more than 2,200 of the 4,761 believers killed around the world were in Nigeria. And that number likely a lot higher. Those are just the ones that we know about. Meanwhile, another organization that also works with persecuted Christians, International Christian Concern, estimates that between 50,000 to 70,000 Christians have died in violent attacks in Nigeria in the last 18 years. You know, the question is often asked, why is the Nigerian government not doing more to stop the killing of Christians, the kidnappings, rape, stealing of land, and forced marriages? Well, the Nigerian government claims they are trying, but with little or no effect. Nearly all Christians in northeastern Nigeria have lost family members due to the violence because of these terrorist groups. Schools have been destroyed, and there's limited educational opportunities for these children, and obviously their families are concerned about their children's education and future. Christian Faith Ministries International, a partner with the Voice of the Martyrs Canada, is providing education for more than 200 of these children on their main site in central Nigeria, and about 100 or so more in the capital city of Abuja. And joining me from central Nigeria to talk about the situation facing Christians in the country is Ruth Hodge of Christian Faith Ministries International. Ruth and her husband Kent have been in Nigeria for more than 35 years, leaving their home country of Australia to serve the people there. And the first question I asked Ruth was about these more than 300 children that they're providing education for and looking after. Let's now go to that interview with Ruth Hodge. Well, some of them uh, escaped Boko Haram terrorism in uh, northeastern Nigeria. Most of them lost fathers and their schools were shut for a a year, sometimes two years. Uh, But they missed years of education. And after the terrorism uh, reduced slightly, uh, the teachers had been killed. And so you ended up having 200 children in a class. The classrooms had been burned down. And so they were sitting on stones under mango trees. And you can imagine how much they learned. Um, families were, their, their primary concern uh, when things began to settle down a little bit was for the future of their children. And so when we offered to have a few of them, we got swamped, <laughs> swamped by the needs of so many children. And uh, then the, the Fulani conflict has been ongoing through the Boko Haram terrorism and has increased a lot since Boko Haram terrorism subsided a little bit. And uh, that is actually killing a lot more people than for, uh, Boko Haram at the moment. And uh, we have... oh. Mm, well over a hundred children in the last 12 months, uh, victims of uh, Fulani terrorism with us. And that's a surprise to a lot of people because the Boko Haram 
I think, you know, you ask most people now, they, they've they heard of the Boko Haram. Uh, they're, you know, much talked about. The Fulani herdsmen, though, they're people that, you know, sort of a nomadic people and they go around. Uh, why are they targeting Christians and what's the issue with that? Well, it's, it's a bit complicated, but it's, uh, they do actually attack Muslims as well. The problem is, uh, well, it's actually when NATO attacked Libya, they pushed the Tuareg people who were Gaddafi's uh, um, mercenaries, they pushed them further down into Mali and the Tuareg had pushed the Fulani out and the Fulani no longer have herds, they no longer have cattle, but they have all Gaddafi's weapons. And so they've come into Nigeria without their normal means of livelihood, without uh, any way of subsisting, except by kidnapping and armed robbery. And so that's what they're doing. How much so does, it's, it's, yeah, go ahead. Complicated situation. Yeah, how much does religion play into that? Uh, many of the Fulani are Muslim. And, uh, you know, yes. we hear about the Christians that are losing their farms and their livelihood. And as you mentioned, also Muslims are suffering under this as well. Yeah. Uh, but is, does religion play a part of that, Ruth? Well, it does because... Um, Unfortunately, some Fulani will justify what they're doing uh, by jihad, but I think the same happens with some Christians. They justify what they're doing with the story of Joshua and the story of Mordecai and Esther. So, you know, it's, it's not completely Islamist terrorism. The big story is who's going to eat tomorrow? Right. Who's going to eat? And uh, when you're desperate, People do desperate things. They do. And I mean, that's, that is a part of uh, human nature, you know, when you, when you're suffering. And again, I think from us, us in the West, we cannot understand, you know, all that is going on. And I know it's not cut and dry, you know, Muslim versus Christian, that yeah. kind of thing. And, and I know peacemaking is a big part of that. We'll talk about that as well yeah. in your ministry, but now tell me about the children that have come there. And uh, obviously they are suffering trauma. I've, I've met some of them yeah. and seen them and, I mean, how Definitely. big of a part of your ministry is, is helping these kids that have, I mean, they've just seen incredible atrocities. They have. And uh, some of the latest children we brought in have got gunshot wounds. And some of them, the gunshot wounds happened five years ago. So they've been living with their families through repeated attacks on their, their farming land. Farming, farmers just struggling to make existence, uh, losing their their husband or their wife and some of their children and yeah the children are traumatized but you know uh they do recover uh they're not embittered most of them and uh they're they're very grateful to have a chance to um to get education to have three square meals a day to have medical care Quite a lot of them have got uh, yeah, wounds, as I said. Um, hepatitis B is endemic because of, uh, well, it's familial, but there's also very poor water supply. Uh, sometimes boreholes are uh, deliberately destroyed or they just fall into repair because people don't have the money to fix anything. Their livelihoods are destroyed. And so there's all sorts of disease. All of the children arrive sick. They all arrive frightened, but they they recover. One thing is is yeah, giving them chance to to get medical care, to get education, 
we make sure we've got people from their main ethnic groups so they can hear their home language. So their caregivers, are, we have them from all over, but we deliberately find people. They're usually Bible school graduates from our Bible school from their mother tongue. So they can have someone who understands. Um, lots of mothers there. And I love the way that you involve the, you know, the Bible school students. Some of them, of course, have gone through their own trauma issues. So what are the most main, yeah, most of them have for sure. So what are some of the, the main things in, when you're doing education? Uh, I mean, we've talked about the trauma. Uh, it, would it be education that we would understand here in Canada in terms of the basics? Well, it really is the basics. Um, when children arrive, you know, a lot of them are teenagers when we get them because they're the ones the families are prioritizing to send. And so they say they're in uh, high school. So we get them to sit, sit a public exam. In Nigeria, it's called the common entrance to secondary school exam. And very, very few can pass it. None in the last year. Even if they're 17, they can't pass it because they haven't really, their education has been so disrupted that they haven't learnt much. So we take them back to, to basic literacy and numeracy, but they pick up really fast. They're smart kids. They just had a, a very rough ride. They pick up fast. Um, anyone who's 16 plus, they also do vocational school. Uh, so school starts at 7.30 and runs till 2 p.m for the older children. Um, and then from 2.30, they do vocational studies. So three days a week, they do vocational learning. And then one day a week, they do a couple of hours of peace building and reconciliation training. And then they do uh, basic small business training because there's no jobs in Nigeria. So when they finish, their only hope to make progress is to start their own small business. So that's what we equip them for. Yeah, and it's amazing. And I all, you also work uh, with the families, uh, some of who are living in these uh, internally displaced people's camps. Uh, tell me about the work that you're doing with the, the parents, if, you know, again, some of them have been killed, but family members of these children. Yeah, well, we, we have a, a vocational training school on our site uh, where uh, the 200 children are that you mentioned. And uh, all our Bible school students also do vocational skills in the afternoon. And then also disciples, that's uh, new believers who uh, came from a Muslim background, new believers in Christ, that is. And uh, so they all do vocational training and people from the community. So we have morning classes, we have afternoon classes. Afternoon classes are mostly uh, Bible school students, disciples and children and some community members. So they all learn a trade. Yeah, that's such an important part of this, you know, is, is, mm. is having the trade. And uh, is the goal then with, with these children, if they do have family members, Ruth, is to reunite them with their family? And how much yes. contact do they have uh, with family members uh, while okay. they're uh, in the program? Well, we make sure that uh, there's a phone call at least once a week. And if the children want to call a uh, family member, Anytime they can do that. They just can't, they just get hold of one of the caregivers and they can use their phones. We make sure they've all got phone credit and they can call their parents anytime we want their parents or their auntie, whoever it is. We very assiduously keep family contact. They're not orphans. 
Sometimes people say they want to adopt them, even if they've got no parents. Everyone in Nigeria has family. It's a family kind of place. They have an auntie or an uncle or a grandparent or a cousin. They have someone, and we keep those, those contacts very closely. They still belong. <laughs> They're still precious to their family. Yeah, and, and I think we have to make sure that, uh, you know, when it's possible to keep family members together. Um, so when you look at uh, the children, and you've been doing this since, uh, what, 2014, what are some of the, uh, yeah. you know, things that you've seen from the kids that have started now to graduate uh, from the program and uh, getting immersed back into the society? Well, they're, they're doing pretty well. Because by the time they go home, they have, they have their, uh, their matriculation, you know, their, their uh, high school diploma, you'd call it in the US, I think. They have a vocational skill, and that's a certified government certificate as well. They have small business training, and they have a different outlook. It's not an outlook for retaliation. It's an outlook to, um, to win by serving. That's something that we we carefully, thoroughly teach and exemplify here, that you, you win the, the Muslims by serving them, by showing the love of Christ to them. Uh, and it's, it's working. Yeah, I know really the, the, the testimonies are, are just amazing, mm. uh, you know, about, uh, you know, these kids that as they've gone through the program and, and you know, really teaching them, you know, about the love of Jesus and, mm. and uh, being just, you know, again, in a war-torn country, it's got to start somewhere. And with the it young does. is usually where it happens. Okay, I want to talk about the project uh, that I also had opportunity to witness uh, and, you know, did video stories on it. And by the way, if you're listening mm. or watching us, you can go to vomcanada.com into the multimedia section under Nigeria and you can see our stories uh, widows and and also some of these uh, kids that, and uh, adults that have gone through these different programs that Ruth and Kenter and their team are involved in but uh, the discipleship uh, care and training uh, you're many of them come from Muslim backgrounds they've been persecuted or non-Christian yes. backgrounds uh, a young Most lady that I met was 13 years old came to relationship with Jesus came from a very strong yes. Muslim home and yes. uh, just suffered incredible persecution. Tell me more about her story. Well, she, she got saved because she just happened to come across a Sunday school. And she heard the singing and she loved it. And when she went in, she heard the stories of Jesus and she said, this is what I want. And she gave her life to Christ. Her father beat her and said, you must never go back there again. And for about six months, she obeyed him. And then she couldn't resist any longer. And she went back to the Sunday school. When her father learned that she'd gone back to the Sunday school, he, put, he imprisoned her in a, in a shed for two weeks. Um, and when she came out, she was taken straight to her husband's home. She'd, while she was in the shed, she turned 14. And uh, so she was married to an older man, a friend of her father's, against, completely against her will. And uh, it was pretty awful. She suffered all kinds of abuse, I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, she would run to her mother, but her father would find her and drag her back to her husband. And uh, finally, after almost a year, she ran to an uncle who happened to be a Christian. The uncle hid her away. And uh, he knew about this, but he didn't know how to interfere. But he brought her to a pastor 
who happened to be a graduate of ours at CFM, and he brought her to Christian Faith Ministries. And uh, she was very traumatized when she arrived. She'd never been to school, um, but she was with us seven months, which is when you met her, Greg. Right, and in yes. that seven months, she learned to read and write Hausa, her, her mother tongue. And uh, then she was summoned before a Sharia court. And we didn't have the legal right to hold her back because she's still a dependent, you know, the legal property, I guess, of her father. So she was summoned before a Sharia court up in Kano State in a, village, in a town. And uh, her father... Uh, wanted her punished for becoming a Christian. But when she spoke up to the Sharia court, other people in the town, Muslims, testified in her favor that she had been badly abused by her husband and she should not be forced to go back to her husband. And um, she showed the court that she could now read and write Hauser. She had learned to sew in the vocational school. She's still only four, uh, 15 by this time. And uh, they ruled, sorry, the father, they divorced her. The Sharia court divorced her from her former husband. And the father wanted her to marry another man. He had already arranged, during the time she was in court, he arranged another marriage for her. She said, no, I don't want that. I want to go back to the people who've been kind to me, who've taught me to read and to write and to sew, and to make myself a new life. And uh, the Sharia court, the Muslim court, agreed with her and released her from her father's authority. And that's pretty back. amazing. Released. Yeah, isn't that it amazing? It is amazing. That, yeah, I mean, that normally doesn't happen. So It normally doesn't happen. So there's a, there's a, there's a miracle that happens here. There, there was a miracle yeah. there. So she went back to her mother. Her mother was so angry with all of this that she divorced her father and remarried a Christian man. Wow. So her mother yeah. had also become a Christian, kind of. Kind of, right. <laughs> anyway, okay. kind of, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can tell by what happens next. Oh, yeah. But anyway, she, um, her brother uh, sent her a phone message. The last day when she was about to come back to um, Christian Faith Ministries, her uncle was sending her back to Christian Faith Ministries. Um, she got a message from her brother to, to say, you know, he wanted to speak to her in the house of his friend. She went to the house of the friend. When she opened the door, she realized that there was no one else in the house and she turned around to leave and someone locked the door behind her and her brother's friend raped her. She didn't tell anyone because rape in Nigeria is nearly always blamed on the victim. Yeah, why were you there? That you know, that kind yeah. of thing. You should have known better. Yeah. I mean, here's a teenage girl trusting her brother, and now she's in this situation, and uh, she was brutally raped. And then brutally raped. Yeah, yeah. Then and then she would come to you later on, and well, she tell came you, back yeah. to CFM. Yeah, and no, she didn't actually tell us. She went to the uh, clinic, to our hospital on site, and begged for an abortion. And the doctor said, "Look, we don't do abortions." And uh, he called our mother, <laughs> Mama Adinga, one of our lovely, lovely team members. And she talked and talked to her and reassured her that we would never desert her. We would stand through her. Did she really want to get rid of the baby? And she said, no, she doesn't really want to get rid of the baby. She, she's just afraid of the future, of the shame. 
So, uh, yes, she has the baby. The baby turned one in January. She's beautiful. She's adorable. The baby's name is um, Kauna, which means uh, beloved. Kauna. And again, if Kauna. you're listening to us, you know, you can go to the, our, our website. We have actually a, a beautiful photo of mm. mother and, and daughter together. Mm. I, I know, Ruth, when I heard the story that she had been raped and Again, I know, you know, the Bible tells us that, you know, if one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. Mm. And in the kind of work mm. that we do with the Voice of the Martyrs and you do as well, we hear so many stories and it's hard to comprehend. But when it's somebody that you have met, it, it mm. takes on just a different amount of pain. And, and, and that's just one story that I, you know, knew the person and then mm. this happened to. Mm. You see this all the time. So how is she do. doing today? Because I know when I talked to her, uh, her desire was that she wanted to share Jesus with her family mm. and friends. And yes. is that still the passion of her heart? Absolutely. She is now in Bible school. Um, and she is doing brilliantly. You know, I taught her last we had a very brief second semester at the end of 2020 because of the lockdown and all of this. But I taught in, in the class that I taught, she was the top student and she's only learned to read, you know, at the age of, of 14. Wow. So uh, no, she's, she's doing so well. Yeah. She's, she's powering. She's, yeah, she's I mean, happy. I could, you know, she's a, yeah. a, you could tell she had that fiery personality and she does, you know, and again, I know questions are asked, you know, so, well, you know, God directed her, you know, to, to you guys and you, and you helped yeah. her. She was learning to read and this horrible thing happens, but out of that comes this beautiful baby. Yes. And, and I think Ruth, we have to maybe just continue to have an eternal perspective because these things don't make any sense, you know, in the natural but mm. God is working. And, and that's one of the things I really do want to get across, you know, when people hear the stories of Nigeria, you know, because of the violence that, you know, where is mm. God in all this? And yet we uh, see it so many times and so many are coming yeah. to know Jesus through dreams and visions. So I want to talk many. about uh, a young man named Muhammad and uh, of course, a very common name in the Muslim world and also yes. in Nigeria. And uh, there's many Muhammads, but we're going to talk about one particular fellow that he left uh, home at 19 to go work in a village and then came in contact with Christians. Tell me his story. Okay. Uh, I think this is the right Muhammad that I'm going to relate to you. His, uh, he ended up staying in the house of a Christian family. And he couldn't believe their kindness to him. Uh, they just had a spare room and he was renting it. And they, they, they gave him food. They gave him kindness. They listened to his problems. And he... They were kinder to him than his own family. And he, from that, he wanted to become a Christian. When he wanted to become a Christian, his family were extremely angry. Um, if I got the right one, they tried to kill him. They beat him. They imprisoned him. He eventually escaped and uh, was bought by, fled to another city and was bought by his pastor to CFM after a lot of trouble. <laughs> but he's with us and he's doing well. You know, and, he's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's that's the one I was thinking about too. And because okay, this good, was a young good. man that goes to this Christian home, and they're not preaching at him; they're just showing. No, they him didn't the preach love. at him. And you just know, it, showing him kindness. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that we need to remember. Because, and I like to tell the stories, and and I know you guys as well about how Jesus is, you know, giving dreams and visions 
uh, to Muslims, yes. uh, you know, in Nigeria and all around the world. And that's, that's amazing. And, and, you know, supernatural, those are great things, but, you know, and maybe it's not as, you know, dramatic when somebody comes to Jesus because somebody just loved them. But I think that is the way of Jesus. And is that, is that what you're seeing, you know, amongst the Definitely. believers there that they are showing the love of Jesus in the midst of all this violence, Ruth? Definitely. And, you know, even when someone has a dream and a vision, they need someone to show them the way to Christ. Right. And that needs to be in loving kindness. If the loving kindness is missing, the journey stops. Because, you know, why would they come to people who are not kind to them? Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I just love those stories. And, uh, and that really was in, you know, when I was there and the people that I talked to, that was so much the common theme, mm. you know, you know, we talked about the young lady, Lena, before where she heard Christian music and then she got curious and was shown the love mm. of Jesus, Muhammad, same yes. thing from this family. We can definitely learn in the West, again, just loving people and being kind yes. to them is such an important yes. thing. Now, the discipleship training, the other part of it that I was really impressed with was the vocational part of it. And I know some, okay, I'm going to go to Bible school and I'm going to be a pastor. You say, okay, yeah, be a pastor, but you also need a trade. Tell me why that's so important. Um, well, most of the people that you're preaching to are struggling to eat. And uh, rather than you know, demanding money from them in tithes and offerings when they, they just don't have it to give. If you show them how to be uh, productive, how to um, do something useful with their hands, then the pastor can make his way and his people can be shown a good example. So it, it's working really well. Yeah, it is. And uh, it gives them opportunity, uh, you know, again, to be making a living and then not having to be dependent upon people to be able to yeah. provide for their for their living again. For their families. There's a guy yeah. named Paul that, uh, you know, he did some tent making. So I, it, it's a pretty good model yeah. that you're following. It there. is. And Jesus. Jesus was at some point a carpenter. He so was a carpenter. It, and, I, and I imagine a very good one at that. Um, I'm sure he was. So when you see, and we hear the stories, Ruth, all the time of the violence, you know, recently another kidnapping of hundreds of girls, the ransom, the mm. violence, the... You know, at times the Christians feel like they're, you know, they're unprotected. Uh, you know, these Boko Haram or Fulani herdsmen come in and many Christians are killed. Why do you and Kent stay there uh, where you could have safety in Australia? I guess it's the call of God. But it's very, very exciting because we see the love of God in action. For instance, um, we have Fulani camped on our site every night in our last newsletter, which I think you saw, Greg, um, you saw one of our pastors sitting by their campfire talking to them. Yes, I and did, yeah. one of those, one of those guys says, well, he wants to send his son to our school. Another one said, well, he believes that Christianity is the true religion because we show kindness. We have a different vision of God and it's the one that he likes. Um, these guys are actually, their, their cows are restoring our farmland. You know, Nigerian, part of the conflict is because farmland has been degraded by overuse of chemicals and pretty bad farming techniques, which are promoted by um, certain rather unethical uh, international <laughs> global foundations. But uh, the cows have restored our, 
the prosperity, the productivity of our land. Last time we got 100 times, not 100%, 100 times improved crops because of the presence of the Fulani. Wow. So these Fulani stay all through dry season on our land now, and they're happy. And uh, this year we're also able to arrange a vet clinic. We were able to work with an organization called Zoetis, which is a veterinary uh, pharmaceutical company, and give these um, Fulani really good quality drugs for their cattle. So now all of the Fulani settlements around us, they're just amazed. They've never seen this kind of kindness. And so they're not attacking us. They're defending us. Yeah, and that and that's a big part of what uh, you and uh, Kent and your team at Christian Faith Ministries International is doing is to bring uh, peace. And and I remember when I was there, and you were telling me, you know, you know, you look to this direction, and you got this group of people. You look to this direction, and you got this group of people, and you're in the middle, and there's all this, you know, uh, fighting going on all around you. How receptive are, I know obviously some are not, uh, those the more radical ones are not interested in peace and, and the rest of it, but what kind of reception are you getting from some of the Muslim leaders and also the Christian leaders? We're getting a brilliant reception from the Muslim leaders. You know, in 2018, there was, there was uh, terrible violence um, in the next big town uh, towards our east. And... Uh, about 500 people were massacred in different villages. But the village right next to us, the Muslim Fulani village right next to us called Basichi, every other year for two decades, they have taken up arms. When militants, Fulani militants come to them and offer them weapons, they take up arms and they join in the murder. Last time, 2018, not one young Muslim man picked up a weapon. Wow. Not one young Christian man picked up a weapon there to retaliate. This is the first time in 20 years that that has happened. We had peace all around us. Wow. Because yeah. we, started, we started a computer training center in collaboration with the Muslim elders and the Christian pastors in uh, Besici's second mosque in 2015. These young men and young women are all getting free to use a computer training. They're being trained for a better future. Some of them are coming and doing vocational skills. They have hope. Before, they had nothing to lose. If they died, well, they were going to die anyway. Starvation, maybe it's better to die of a bullet than to die of starvation. So, yeah, you know, we, not now. We need to show the love of Jesus in a practical way. Yes, we need to proclaim the gospel. We believe that, you know, there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus. Absolutely. And and, and Absolutely. I know that's never a compromise uh, for you guys. Never. Uh, but, these these yeah. Muslims know what, that we're Christians. They know that we preach the gospel. But they need to see what the gospel is. It's new creation. It's restoration. It's not... Uh, we win, you lose. It's let's work together, let's serve each other, and we can build a better future because Jesus enables us to do that. Amen. Yeah. Um, so appreciate, you know, what you and Kent and your team are doing there and, and having opportunity to see it firsthand. It was so encouraging. Uh, and, and people really need to hear mm -hmm. these stories. I Again, it's you hear about Nigeria turn away because it's just so violent. There's no hope. Yes, there is hope. And we've seen that. We've heard there that. Is hope. So Ruth, can you pray there for us, uh, you know, for Nigeria and also for us as well, 
for our hearts not to become hardened when we hear these stories mm -hmm. of the violence in Nigeria, but that they will hear the stories of some of the people we've shared about today and the kids. Can you pray for us? Father God, we thank you for your grace and your faithfulness. Lord, you are a God of loving kindness. Let us be channels of loving kindness to the troubled people around us so that we can demonstrate the power of God in our lives to transform lives and build new hope and new life in your name. Amen. And we so appreciate Ruth Hodge taking the time to talk to us. She is an amazing lady. And along with her husband, Kent, and the entire team at Christian Faith Ministries International in Nigeria, they are showing the love of God in such a practical way as they look after these children, you know, as they are, you know, discipling those that have come into a relationship with Jesus. Uh, we know vocational skills that so many of these young people can go out and, you know, do ministry, but also have a job and supporting themselves. And we need to be praying for them. They're in a very dangerous part of the world they need our support. They need our prayers. By the way, if you'd like to find out more about Christian Faith Ministries International, I'll put the website on the show notes on the podcast, but here it is, cfaithministries.org. That's cfaithministries.org. And again, continue to pray for them. You know, prayer is something that we so value at the Voice of the Martyrs Canada now for more than half a century. And uh, to help people to pray in such a way that they, they connect stronger with the persecuted church, we have what's called the Persecution and Prayer Alert, which comes out each week from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada. And if you'd like to sign up, and again, I'll put the website on the show notes on the podcast here, but it's vomcanada.com, vomcanada.com. And, you know, as we look at uh, the persecuted church and we see what's happening, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, one story that we have been following at VOM Canada is from Nigeria. Uh, we recently learned that, you know, one person was killed, another wounded, and also four women were abducted. And this happened at the Hask Baptist Church in Menini Tasha Village, which is in Kaduna State, northeastern Nigeria. The church was attacked during a worship service. Healthcare worker Zachariah Yaro was killed. Shihu Haruna was injured in that attack. And according to one of the worshipers attending the service that morning, said the attackers surrounded the church and started shooting. They shot at us randomly. And then the Fulani gunmen, they seized Charity Musa, Rose Zachariah, Ahirabala, and Laiatu Zaka as they left. And at last report, the four we're still being held captive. So let's pray. Father, we count it such an amazing privilege that we can come into your presence. And often, Lord, when we do this, we have heavy hearts because we have heard of brothers and sisters that have been killed or kidnapped, displaced. It's, it's such a tragic situation, and yet we pray. And so we want to pray for the family of Zachariah Yarrow, who was killed in this attack, Father, that you would just bring comfort to his family, that you would provide the needs that they have, physical needs, emotional, spiritual needs, and uh, we lift up Zacharias's family to you. Also, Shihu Haruna, who was injured in this attack, uh, we pray healing uh, for Shihu, that you would heal the injuries and, again, the trauma that has happened. Father, that you would, uh, again, be with this beloved a follower of Jesus, that you would uh, just help, Lord, in the healing process. 
Also think of those that have been kidnapped, Charity, Rose, Ahira, and Liatu, that they soon would be returned to their friends and family. Again, we can't imagine what they're feeling and being separated and not knowing what's going to happen, feeling very vulnerable. We pray that the peace that passes understanding uh, would be with them right now and the encouragement and the hope that they have in Jesus. And we pray for rescue. Also for these Falani herdsmen that uh, continue to cause such destruction to our brothers and sisters in Christ and anybody that doesn't go along with their brand of Islam, you know, as land is stolen, as they separate families, as they kill. Lord Jesus, we pray that the ones that attack this particular church, this Hask Baptist Church, that they would come. The Bible tells us that we are to pray pray for those who persecute us, and we do that right now on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Nigeria. Again, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we can come and pray and seek you. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for being with me today on the podcast. Continue to pray for Nigeria. You know, in spite of all the persecution, God is moving in amazing ways. Many are coming to know the Lord Jesus. And I've had the privilege of seeing Christian Faith Ministries International up close. I've been there. Uh, I've interviewed some of the children and some of the people that have come into relationship with Jesus, met many of the widows. It's a hard situation, but yet God is working powerfully. Thank you for your support of the Persecuted Church and the Voice of the Martyrs. God bless you. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire.